What's up, everybody? On this episode of the Boston Ski Party, we are joined by Neil Susi, a.k.a. Uncle Neil, a.k.a. Real Deal Neil, to discuss some of the differences that we are seeing between the ski industry and the snowboard industry right now. George and I decided early on that snowboarding would be a part of our business. What that meant is that we would treat snowboarding with the same level of focus and diligence that we put in on the ski side. We've never viewed snowboarding as a little side project that's just there to keep a portion of our customers happy. When someone comes to us as a snowboard customer, we want their experience to be just as good as if they were looking for ski equipment. Neil is a snowboard buyer here at TSM. He's been a key player in our growth as a company, specifically the exponential growth we've seen on the snowboard side of the store. That's why I couldn't think of a better person to have in for this conversation. Throughout the episode, George, Neil, and myself discuss some of the aspects of the industry as a whole and compare how they're done on the ski side versus snowboard side. As a snowboard buyer, Neil has a unique perspective, and it was super dope to get his insights on what he thinks the snowboard side of the business is doing well and where he thinks things could maybe be done a little bit better. That's why I was super stoked to have this conversation where we compare the two sides of the business. We really just want to see both sports doing all they can to reach their full potential. Enjoy the show. Holla. It is what it is, man. 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 It's cheap, too. TheSkiMaster.com Uncle Neil, Neil Susie on the pod today. Neil, what's up, bro? How's it going? It's going good. I'm glad to finally have you on. Your office is right next door to the pod studio, so you're the only person that hears all the pods before the pods come out. So it's like a celebrity. You're like the pre-pod yeah. celebrity. That's right. And we're stoked to have you. Um, what what most people don't know is that you kind of started with TSM a while back now as a young boy from UNH. Yep. Hook, hooked you on a on a on an internship program. Which is pretty rad, and now you're you know responsible for lots of things here. But let's start there. Let's let's start on how you kind of got involved in Ski Monster and and how that internship program even worked. Was it Brady? Brady set it up. So I went to the University of New Hampshire as did Brady years prior, and as part of one of my senior year classes, um, you get set up with an internship. So Brady had put the Ski Monster in the running as one of the options. And it was kind of funny how it worked, like show up to the first day of class and they're like, all right, you're going to be doing internship in this class. Um, We've got 30 or so options to choose from. Here's how it's going to work. Everyone gets 100 points. You get to choose how to use your 100 points. You can put 100 points on one. You can put 50 on two different ones. Interesting. Divvy it up however you want, depending on what you want. And if there's a tie... You can write a blurb about why you think you should have that internship. Hmm. Um, How am I just hearing about this now? Yeah, I didn't know this. No? No. No, I just thought it was like, a, oh, we someone applied for an internship. We just got this kid from UNH. I didn't know it was like a whole thing. I didn't know there was okay. like a point so, system. Yeah, go, yeah. yeah it, it's, it, you, it's like an auction. Like you have to like decide where you put your points. kind of sick. So actually. I'm looking at this list of like a lot of like random firms, whatever, seemingly boring internships. There are a couple that are a little bit interesting and they're, you know, either on campus or 10 minutes away, easy enough as a college kid to get to once a week, whatever. And then there's the ski monster in Boston. And I'm like, okay, well, (laughs) that one seems really interesting. 
It's in Boston. So I go home. Right off campus. Yeah, just <laughs> off campus, an hour away. And so I go home, and I'm like, all right, like, I got 100 points. What do I want to do? Do I want to put 50 on the Ski Monster, 50 somewhere else just in case? And I'm like, oh, man, like, I really don't want to drive to Boston once a week. My senior year, I'm trying to enjoy it. So I call my dad, and I'm like, what do you think, dude? Like, what, what do I do here? And he's like, are the other ones any good? I mean, that one obviously seems like the obvious choice. And I was like, yeah, I think so, too. And he's like, I think if, if that's the best-looking one, you do it. So I put 100 points. Jesus. On the oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> How can we just hear about this now? <laughs> what would have happened if you didn't get it? Or like what? What, what was the? What was the? What you, did the you, points do? You don't get an internship. Yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't be here right now. If if you don't get it, you get whichever ones weren't picked. Oof. Right. Oof. So That's I was right. like, I just need to go for it. I'm gonna put a hundred points on it. Wrote up a little blurb just in case. Yeah. Other kids bid on it, but not a hundred points. Interesting. Someone put ninety nine points on it. Does Brady know the other people, the other candidates? Did Did he see no. that? It's, did you, did you know, or you just see who I, I know like some of the kids that got it. So, so you can see it internally. Yep. Okay. Okay. So I went for it. And then like two weeks later, I drove down here for the first time to, to meet everyone and get a little tour and make sure it was all going to work. Brady could have said no still, I suppose. And, wow. um, <laughs> then it was once a week for, I don't know, four or five months. Yeah. Unpaid internship. And Got what do we have you do? Uh, what did you do at the beginning? A lot of product descriptions. Yeah. Um, I think then we were using an older system. So online sales, we still had to go in and mm. fix inventory after mm -hmm. the fact. Yeah. Things yeah. like that. And then um, that ran through to... I guess winter break, December, mm -hmm. it would have wrapped up. And then I just kept helping out a few days a week over winter break. And then when I got back to school, I think I was down here once or twice a week still. And then school was over and I had a position here ready to go. We were so busy doing like so many jobs at the time. I, I'll still, I still remember your first day because I came downstairs. I went downstairs to the basement probably had like eight customers or something silly. I was running around and like you're standing there and Brady's like, this is Neil. I'm like, hey man, and you're like, hey, yeah. And I was like, what, what, uh, what is he like your friend or something? And he's like, no, he's gonna st he's starting here. And I remember looking at you. I'm like, what are you gonna do? Yeah. And you're like, I'm gonna do internet stuff. Yeah, I'm here I to do like, internet things. I'm like, I looked at Brady. Brady looked at me, and I was like, okay, well, nice. have, have right, a nice day. <laughs> I'm like, I'll never, I'll probably never see him ever again. And here you are. Here I am. <laughs> yeah, that was really just like. It was a lot of product descriptions, slowly got onto the sales floor, and then was, like, fully in, going to demos, doing all the cool things that go along with it. I remember, like, a few weeks into the internship, coming back to my roommates, like, every week, once a week, I would just have, like, arms full of, free, like... Free shit. Oh, free yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah. Which was kind of funny. They're like, what? what is this internship again? One day, I've got, like, two pairs of goggles. Well, when you first start... In the ski business, yeah. we all, you know, anyone that works in the ski business goes through it your first year or two years. Like, you, it's like you can't get enough stuff because you never had such access to, like, free 
right. goggles and helmets and, and shirts and whatever. Yep. And so at first you're like, someone's like, hey, you want these goggles? And you think you're like, wait, what? Like for yeah. free? And, and you're like, yeah, you can have them. You're like, yeah, I'll take them. And then by like your second, yeah, your third year. At so like, hey, point, you want these free goggles? You're like, nah, I'm good. The, the t-shirts are too many. <laughs> yeah. The hats are too like, many. I, no, I'm, I'm all set. Yeah. You start turning things away. But at right. first, like you're just hoarding oh, yeah. as much stuff as you can get. Cause you're like, this is insane. Yeah. You got to yeah. hit your quota in like each category. Five pairs of goggles, yeah. six yeah. pairs of pants, just all like, that stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's and incredible. you're full. And you're full. Yeah. I was yeah. really like, this is the coolest internship I could have gotten. And it, and it paid off. Uh, it, Turned into full-time uh, right after school. And and so we can put a uh, timestamp on this. What what years are we talking now? The internship started fall of 2017. Yep. Okay. So spring of 2018, I'm working full-time. Yep. And that quickly evolved into doing a number of different things. Still on the sales floor. At this point, Dylan was the snowboard buyer. Mm-hmm. So kind of getting a little bit more ingrained with that and working with him on buying side of things. Um, and then a whole bunch of other stuff along the way. Yeah. Yeah. And now that's your, one of your full-time responsibilities. Yeah. So now five years later, I guess mm-hmm. I'm the snowboard buyer. That's one of the bigger pieces of my role. Yeah. Which is why we wanted to have you on the podcast. Yeah. Because we want to talk about snowboarding. Let's do it. And before we get into going into this season, I want to talk a little bit about your season last year because it was a pretty epic season as far as seasons go. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the perks also of being a buyer in the ski business is that as long as you're buying enough equipment, you get to go on some pretty cool, yeah. pretty cool adventures. And last year, you hit two really epic trips. You you had a, a, a snowcat trip, and then you went to Camp K2. Yeah, and there's a third one. Ooh. Tahoe with Jones. Oh, oh that's yeah. right. Yeah. Fuck you, dude. Yeah, it was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> good year. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Let, let's just go through them real quick because all three were different in a way, and I forgot about the Jones trip. Yeah, you guys crushed that too. Yeah, so me and Dylan went to Tahoe with Jones. Right. That was two resort days, one backcountry day, which was epic. Um, just like crazy terrain. Kind of like stepped it up a level. There was some really scary shit. Yeah. Really good crew. All snowboarders, which is kind of different from our usual. And, and, uh, and remind me, because I, obviously I remember you saying this before, but I've, it was all off the resort, right? Like you like would go to the resort and then go and then go into the back. Like how did it work? That the backcountry day was lift up in the morning and then straight out of bounds from there to yeah. the Nat Geo Bowl. Um, and then... The last skin out brought you back into the resort. Okay, so you, so you did you did skin back to the resort. It wasn't like ride back to the resort. No, skin back to the resort. Got it. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, that was sweet. Like, Jones did it really nice. Just like sushi dinner with Jeremy Jones the first night. Sick. Wow. Ever cool. heard of him. Um, and just had everything organized really nicely. Awesome. The other one with Weston was cool in Colorado. Um, Dylan was there as well. They've got a vintage snowcat that they took us out on for two days. How vintage is vintage? Yeah. I think it's from the sixties. Okay. I think. I mean, does it look how much different than like a snowcat you'd see? Like, yeah, it looks crazy. Okay. It looks really crazy. Um, super uncomfortable, but gets you to some 
cool location. So how many people could fit in? Uh, driver, passenger, and then the back four of us was like a super tight squeeze. Okay. With like bags and stuff. Um, Matt was there, so big ass camera bag taking up a ton of space. Yeah, he's also just takes up a lot of space in general. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> But that that was that was a really fun one. That was cool. Like, never did a snowcat before. Doing it that way was really fun. Uh, and then Camp K two was like kind of the season ender, and that one was at Powder Mountain in Utah. Ski and snowboard, bigger group, um, two days of riding, and we scored a ton of snow. Yeah, you guys got absolutely destroyed, right? Yeah, it was it was sick. Wasn't it like not looking good? Going into it? No, I don't think or am it was. I misremembering like, this? No, I don't think it was looking that great. And then when we got there, um, it was dumping snow and it didn't stop the whole trip. But explain a little bit about Camp K two and like because that's kind of a big deal and it's really cool and how they kind of sh- kind of shut everything down just for people that are there for the event. Yeah, so it, Camp K two hadn't happened for a couple seasons, I believe. This was kind of like a celebration, really, of like K two and all of the brands that they encompass. I think it's something like 11 brands in total. Um, but this was at Powder Mountain. The mountain was closed just for us. Powder Mountain's kind of cool because the Sky Lodge is at the summit. So you drive up to the summit, and that's kind of like your home base for the day. That's pretty sick. So your first run of the day is down rather yeah. than a trailer ride up, which is kind of cool. Really cool. Yeah. Um, but it was it was sweet. Like It was a ton of riding. Everyone was kind of like ready to go all day riding. It wasn't just like a party, mm-hmm. but they definitely did the party aspect right at night with live music, DJs. It was and a really good time. It, how did it, did it work similar to like a, re, like a, you know, regional demo or did you walk up to the, to the tent, like outside, yep. you know, set up your bindings or how? Did yeah, exactly. It, yeah. They, they had a bunch of tents set up with all the gear you could want, grab whatever you want and go. You can turn it in for something different if you wanted. Do they have boots? They had boots if you needed them. Nice. Yeah. Now, you glazed over this, but like, I know because you told me, but the party was pretty sick. Party was sick. And, and uh, you like, like live music, but like, who was there? Yin Yang Twins performed. Uh. Mixmaster Mike. Yeah. Um, and then there was like. He would have been awesome to see. Dude, so Dude, Yin Yang so Twins. Sick. Dude, it was sick. <laughs> it was awesome. It was really fun. And then another like more low key night was like dueling guitars wow. with. Mikey LeBlanc, pro snowboarder, um, and that was really cool, too. But yeah, they crushed it. That event was really, really fun. That's awesome. And a good way to couple, like, round up A couple hundred season. people, too, right? Wasn't it pretty massive? Yeah, there was probably 100 or so, 100 awesome. to 200. Yeah, dude. It was sweet. Dude, I'm jealous because you got to um, ride with, you know, I don't know, one of my, like, childhood idols, Johnny Mosley, that is just incredible. Yeah. And I'm sitting probably here in Boston. I get a text from Neil of a selfie of him and Johnny riding up the chairlift together. I'm like, oh, my God. How did yeah. this even happen? It's kind of sick. Yeah, we spent like a full day and a half riding with him, which was sweet. Yeah. Super cool guy. Yeah. Showed us yeah. around a little bit. It was fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Mosley, dude. And you guys got hammered snow. It's awesome. So yeah. three epic trips, two, two that I remembered to talk about and one I completely forgot, which is now I'm kind of annoyed. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you had such a great season, Neil. Yours was pretty good too, right? <laughs> no, mine was okay. I think you got it all right. <laughs> mine was okay. 
But let's talk about snowboards because that's why you're here. Um, so snowboards in general at Ski Monster, the category has grown really, really a lot for us as a company. And, you know, you coming on as an intern doing some internet stuff and then slowly kind of making your way into the snowboard buy, into the snowboard, you know, selling all the things, everything snowboard, really. I mean, just from what you've seen over the last X amount of years, I mean, what do you kind of attribute to why it's grown so much? Both, I mean, really, I guess two-part question, right? Why it's kind of grown so much as a category for both in-store and online. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, a lot of things. A part of it is just the ski monster growing in general, being known a little bit more and, and the name being out there, both the ski side and snowboard side of things are growing. A yeah. lot of that has to do with our own marketing material that's unique and different from just what the manufacturers are putting out there and then what a lot of other retailers are just kind of regurgitating. Yeah. Having our own stuff, showing that we're actually out there on the stuff, mm -hmm. I think resonates yeah. really well. So that's a big part of it. Um, and one thing, the, uh, just not to cut you off, but one thing that moved the needle for us, like right really before you came on was the, was the Burton jump, you know, cause that was something that, you know, George and myself worked really hard to try to get, I mean, for people that are listening, it's hard to get the brand Burton. It's a big deal. Yep. And, and, you know, as a new kind of like brick and mortar store, you know, it, we were work, we worked really hard to get Burton in here and become a good partner of theirs. And then once that kind of happened, we definitely saw, um, an uptick for sure. Yeah. But then as soon as you kind of took the reins over, it, it, it really kind of just started to explode. Yeah, I mean, having Burton in the store is super legitimizing. Like, it just makes everyone be like, oh, Ski Monster sells Burton. Like, yeah. they've got a real deal snowboard department. So that helps. And then a lot of it is just buying the right stuff. Like, there's so much stuff out there that if all you're carrying is whack product that no one's into or people buy and then are not happy with, mm -hmm. no one's going to come back to buy more. So. Right having a really kind of curated selection of stuff that's thoughtful and makes sense for the type of people that are walking in here or visiting the website makes a huge difference. Yeah. And also, I, I mean, I think a lot of places focus on, on price point stuff in general. I mean, from the ski side for sure, but especially on the snowboard side, you know, a lot of stuff is really <laughs> the lower end, both from the boots, the bindings and the boards. And I know something that, that you've been pretty, you know, admin about is like, you know, we're going to level up our, our customer a little bit and let's not sell the stuff just because it's, it's, it's cheap. Let's sell stuff that people are actually going to have a great time on. They're going to use, they're going to come back and buy, buy more. Yeah. You need to know the audience and like we're in the city, you know, so it's, I think perfectly okay to sell some higher end stuff. People want higher end product. If they're going to invest in these experiences, they want to do it on the right stuff. Yeah. You know, they just don't, yeah. they don't want to just go to go. They want to do it right. So you need to have the stuff that lets them do that. Mm -hmm. And same thing online. Like if your collection of products is all budget options, that'll get some people, but really probably not the customers that you necessarily want. Right. You know, so having, having some higher end stuff, but still the right stuff is going to attract, I think a better set of clientele. Yeah. And, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, you can sell a lot of other categories, I think a lot better, you know, once you kind of have Burton as, as a kind of like yeah. a mainstay in, in, in your store. I mean, obviously Burton does a great job with all kinds of snowboarding stuff from all categories, but everything else starts to kind of flourish because, yeah. because you have, you know, kind of Burton like on your wall, you know? Yeah. And if, if you're leveled up in one area, it's, it's gonna, either level up other parts of the store or just get everything kind of rising at the same pace. You know, mm -hmm. we sell really expensive, really high quality luxury outerwear. 
Yeah. There's no reason why that customer isn't going to want a higher end hard goods product either. True. Right. You hey, know? I've, I feel like that's much more neglected on the snowboard side as a whole. You know, like speaking about all stores where it's more of this afterthought where the focus is ski and then snowboard is just like this pet project off to the side. And that was not something that we wanted to do here. And you really, you know, give snowboard the credit that it deserves, which has been awesome. But, you know, like for me, buying on the ski side, you know, I'm, I, I maybe I've, I guess I've never asked you so, but like it's on ski side, you know, like you have, like, we're just talking about skis, like you have, you know, key waist widths and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And on the snowboard side, I mean, do you have any of those like metric measuring type things like we have in ski where like, oh, I want, you know, this waist or yeah. whatever. It, it, it's kind of interesting because you, you sort of do like they are there, but they're not necessarily talked about by a brand. So they're not known by a consumer. Right. You know, like a ski sale, oftentimes I think like, the customer is looking for something maybe within a certain waist width range. They've got an idea of where they should be there or where they think they want to be. And that helps kind of narrow their purchase down quite a bit, which is great on the snowboard side. It's, it's a little bit more broad in the sense that like no one is going to come in and, and ask for a specific side cut radius on a snowboard. Right. Or there isn't a waste with measurement that people are, are looking for or know that they should be within. Right. I guess all they would know is like, I need a, a wide or a, they might, they or, might or, say that. Or they yeah. Or, yeah. Know that. or like they're basing their search off rocker profile. Right. Yeah. And, and those are important things, but there isn't necessarily like a clear cut metric that like helps narrow all of the options down. Yeah. Which it, 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 it is there. The technology is there. Yeah. The numbers are there, but they aren't told in the same way that they are on the ski side of things. Yeah, the story from the from the manufacturer isn't there. Right. So th- so as a buyer, I mean, going back to Rocker real quick, I mean, essentially that's kind of not the whole story that people tell, but I mean, that's a big part, you know, camber versus camber, you know, flying B, Rocker, camber, Rocker. Yep. So so that as someone that's kind of like curating your buy, you, know, you got to make sure that you have enough in each category, different Rocker profiles to essentially, you know, fulfill the consumer's needs. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you get it to a point where you, you have all these options and in talking to a customer, you can, you can absolutely steer them towards, you know, one or two boards that make the most sense for them and they can make an educated purchase. But, um, rarely do you have a customer that can narrow that wall down that precise because they haven't had the chance to ride everything and feel it. Right. And they don't, know how to go into it and say, I need this metric, this metric, this metric met because it's not really presented that way. Right. Yeah. What do you think about, you know, or what do you see from a manufacturer side, you know, when you're going and sitting down with everybody and this is something we all talk about internally. So let's just talk about it externally with um, like BOA versus non BOA, because I know how I personally feel about yeah. non BOA boots, but you know, it's like an industry thing in the snowboard side, like the purists are like, oh yeah, no, I, I don't want to have BOA. And then you, you kind of have this weird back and forth conversation. It's like, well, the technology is there and, right. it's, and it's better. Why would you want to struggle with your laces? Like, oh, well, it, it's, it's an argument on both sides, but from somebody that, you know, is not a snowboarder mm-hmm. per se, you know, the BOA system is 
obviously far superior. Right. I think I think things are trending in that direction that everyone's kind of starting to get on the same page that it's better. Yeah. And you're seeing more and more higher-end boots, higher-performance boots. The more popular boots are made with BOA. And it just, it, you're right, it is superior. It does work better. So there's there's going to be people out there that are maybe afraid of change or just stuck in their ways Yeah, to an extent. But um, for us, more and more boots each year are made with BOA, and it works better. And that's going to be the better option, really. Yeah, and for you, like, purists out there, if you're listening or if you're doing a lot of, you know, backcountry stuff, yeah, I guess your argument is that if you, you know, if your BOA pops or breaks and you're, you know, far away from any place where you can have it fixed. I totally get that. Sure. Totally get that. So, I mean, if you're going to be in the backcountry, you're going to do a lot of touring, you're going to do a lot of splitboarding, or you're just like, you know, that's what you do. Then yeah, having lace boots makes sense because if you, yeah. you know, you fray a lace or your lace bus or whatever, you could just take another one out of your pack, relace your boots and you're in your business. So that part of it, I, I, I totally, totally. for Is, the vast majority of people just go Boa though. Right. It's going to work better. Right. Is there a, uh, is there a, um, from like a snowboarding purist who says they prefer laces, is there an argument that it did that it does fit better? I, I don't I don't think it's a fit thing. I suppose it's like just someone that's maybe like like truly riding park a lot might find lace boots to be a little softer. Yeah, you get a little more forgiveness out of them. That that might be favorable, mm-hmm. you know. But um, the reality is most people aren't riding park all day, so I would say. Most people are going to be better off in a boa boot. Yeah. <clears throat> and they work awesome. Yeah. <laughs> they really do. Yeah, they're sweet. Um, so one thing we do here a lot, and we talk about it a lot, is we do a lot of a lot of ski testing. And we do a lot of snowboard testing. And, you know, we're kind of together a lot on on these programs. You know, you're, you're kind of, you know, piggybacking our, say, ski test with boards or whatever. And, you know, I guess a question I have for you, because, you know, it's an internal frustration with us, is that, like, you know, it seems pretty easy to get, the skis that we want to test, yep. you know, George is like, Hey, I think we should, we're going to go hard in this category. So let's get those skis. Let, let's, let's put them to the test. Let's, let's take them out West. Let's take them to Stowe. Let's take them to Sonic B and let's, and let's ski them. And then, you know, for you, you kind of have a similar idea of like where you want to go and your snowboard by after you kind of see this stuff, you get your catalogs, whatever. Yep. And for whatever reason, you know, it's a little bit more difficult, you know, for you to kind of like get the things that, you know, you might want to sink your teeth in. Right. And it's obviously frustrating from a buyer's perspective, because you're like, well, I really like to go maybe deeper in this board or maybe wider in this, in this particular series, but you don't necessarily know because it's harder to get the product. I mean, we all right. always ultimately get it and, and we test it for sure, but it, it's not as easy as, you know, George sending a text and then all of a sudden, you know, right. 10 pairs of ski show up here. Yeah. Next yeah. day or it's crazy. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's kind of cool being in this position where I see my world on the snowboard side of things. And I also get to see a lot of, George's world on the ski buying side of things um, because as far as testing goes, it's so critical in each of our buys Mm -hmm. to have a good buy. Um, And, you know, there's a lot of things on the ski side of things that happen that are really nice and help the buy quite a bit that on the snowboard side, we, we manage and we get it done, but a lot of times it feels like pulling teeth. Um, you know, so so that is frustrating, and for people that don't know, kind of the way a buy works is, you know, the orders are due anywhere usually from February to 
to March, somewhere in that window. For for the following season, for the, for the next season. We need to write an order and submit it for product that's going to arrive the following season. The next fall, yep. Right. So at that point, call it February February 1st, we've had, you know, a handful of months selling whatever products and you can evaluate that, but they want, these brands want an order February, March, somewhere in there. And correct me if I'm wrong, George, but I feel like, you know, your orders are generally due around the same time as mine. Yeah. They're, they're pretty much all in by Feb one. And at that point you've had an opportunity to ski and test basically everything that you're probably going to buy anything new that you need to get a feel for and put through its paces before you decide to order it, you know, cause ordering it is an expensive decision. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it's, it's a big decision to say, we're going to bring in 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 of these skis. Yeah. You, before you place your order, have had a chance to test them, figure out what, what is good, what you want. There's, there's plenty of that. And I mean, like there's, you know, I mean, this year, I mean, I've already turned down a trip to Jackson Hole in December because I just can't do it. So even like with turning some of that stuff down, it's not hard for me to get on everything that I need to enough to make my decision. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not really trying that hard to make that happen. Yeah. That, and not, not even just you, like a lot of other people that work at Ski Monster. Yeah. Like, it's not just like one, it's not just yeah. like one, you know, oh, I, I'm really interested in this one ski and this size and this waist width. Oh yeah, George, like, we'll, we'll get it to you. It, it's like, Hey, I'm really, this category is really, is really interested in, I'm really interested in purchasing it. And we want to put, you know, the 90, the 99, the 109 or whatever to the test in these sizes. And then, you know, yeah, we want to see what our testers think of it. And yeah. Maybe you get two or three of the same thing in different sizes, so more than oh, yeah. just you. Yeah, we're can all ski it, right? Yeah. And so, like, then we're all testing the skis, yeah. and it's like, wow, that was that's incredible, and, I, and I'm, I'm, you know, really grateful that that happens. But it still allows us and him to kind of figure out, you know, where where the buy is going to kind of land, and in, and from your side of things, it's again, maybe there's something that you couldn't get or something that you wanted to, you know, go deeper in. But by the time we, you got around to getting that board or maybe you didn't get that board, so you didn't order it. It just, it starts to shift the, the whole, the whole buy. Yeah. That that's the piece that I get to see, which is really cool, but also frustrating on the snowboard side. It, it's not that easy to, to get the things that you really should be testing. And then the, the part that gets, gets tough is like, brand has a new board that they really want you to buy mm -hmm. and they're asking you to take this additional risk on top of whatever your order is already going to be on this new model. And, you know, maybe, maybe they can't get that board to you before the order is due. H how are you, how are you supposed to take a risk, a financial risk on a board that you know nothing about, right? But they're telling you it's awesome because it's their new board. Yeah. And then it shows up in the fall if you order it, which again, like it's really difficult to buy things without knowing mm -hmm. how they work. That's, well, I mean, there's yeah. the financial risk as aspect, but like what you were, I think just about to say that we also have like the reputation aspect. Like I need to tell you how this is going to feel before you've felt that. Right. And then how does that compare to all the other stuff that you were looking at? Right. And when you can't answer that, like what the fuck are we doing? Yeah, yeah, you're 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 a fraud. Yeah. The thing shows yeah. up in the fall, and you, I'm, I'm supposed to just sell it to our customers that it's awesome, and and essentially lie to them because I haven't really had a chance to 
to try it myself. I don't know anything about it other than what the brand has told me, which obviously right. they're going to tell you it's just awesome. Right. Yeah, and you, you know, know, I mean, maybe some of those people that are selling it to you haven't even ridden on it. Right. Yeah. It's just the new thing. <laughs> yeah. It's just the new thing yeah. is all. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's really cool to be able to see both sides of it a little bit. And that that tends to be the the more difficult thing when, when writing the, the snowboard buy is like, you know, you're writing these big orders and, and it's, it's risky and ideally it's a really calculated risk. It's hard to be calculated on certain things when you're not really given the opportunity to actually put something through its paces. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, five, ten, twenty thousand $20,000 decision. Yeah. You know, and you're like, well, shoot, like this could be a huge for us or I, I can't, I can't do it because I'd be lying. Right. And, and it makes it, it makes it really tough. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, due dates, I know factories are, are working a little different these days, of course, but you know, due dates getting earlier and earlier on orders, there needs to be more incentive to take a risk on something, Yeah, you know, or at least, at least the opportunity to, to try something out to get a feel for what you are maybe about to buy. Yeah. Have you had some deadlines pushed up for next season? Some, yeah. I mean, usually, like I said, they're February, March. There's there's some in December now. Oh, wow. You know, which is which is crazy. Like, we haven't even gotten everything yet. Yeah. You know, so, like, there's no way to look at sell-through on something that you don't have and then place that, an order that, for the following year. Those brands that pushed those deadlines up to December, do we even have their stuff yet? Uh, some, not all. Definitely wow. not all. Wow. Which is crazy because in, you know, what, middle of December, start of January, you know, we'll have not only m- maybe pro- prototype skis, but we'll have the following year's skis to test. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. So, like, we'll, we'll have test skis for stuff that's not coming out maybe, well, definitely in one year, sometimes even two years. Yeah. And, you know, we're talking about, you know, you know, I don't mean to slander, you know, the snowboards. Are, this, this is not the point of it. it just, it's just a, a, a frustration in the sense of when you get to see both sides. You know, we're, we're talking not even having all of our stuff from a snowboard company, and then you have to put another order in. Yeah. And we're getting prototype skis for them to give input on, you know, what we think about it. Well, I, th- I think it's, you know, kind of frustrating when you have, like, a company that, you know, they do skis, but they also have a sister company that does snowboards, and yeah. that sister company struggles to do it. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. And, you know, just thinking about this now, because we're talking about it, but if you, you know, we're getting prototype stuff, you know, they're asking for input on what, on what we think about the product. Right. Right. So like, yeah. Oh, what's the flex that would you guys like? Is it give us some feedback? Cause we're trying to make a product and bring it to market that we think everyone's going to really like. Yeah. And then equally what's kind of, I guess, frustrating again is that <clears throat> you just, there's a new snowboard that's out. We can't get it to you, but it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, so you should buy it. Yeah. And it's like, well, the ski side of, of our retail business just got blank prototypes for, and they want feedback yep. for what we can potentially buy in two years. And, and oh, what the consumer might really like. So, because we want to sell more stuff and then we can't even get, you know, oh, well, this is going to be, this is really yeah. good. I trust, trust me. You're like, well, I, can I ride it? You're like, oh no, okay, definitely. Can. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it seems like in an effort for everything to move forward, everyone to do better, everyone to be more successful. If, if it was just a little bit more proactive and, you know, presented more opportunities, like 
no doubt it's a privilege to be able to just go and ride snowboards. Yeah. And we do ride everything that we carry, which is awesome. Like mm-hmm. we, we make it happen. Mm-hmm. But when you're asked to take these risks on things that you don't have the opportunity to ride, like let's, let's meet somewhere in the middle. Like these risks are going to be a little bit more reasonable if, if you can take them knowing what you're taking a risk on. Right. Yeah. And that's good for everybody. Yo, it it definitely would. You definitely would. Um, So like when a new ski um, is presented, you know, to us prior to us, you know, skiing on anything, we're usually told like, um, you know, our collection was missing this or this didn't do this very well. That is why we created this. Is that how stuff is pitched to you guys? No. Wow. It's, it's, I think the story is told in a much different way. It's new. It's brand new. Grab it. it. There's a lot to do with this is the new thing and it's awesome. And these are our team riders that are riding it and it's awesome. And you should buy it. Yeah. A lot of it. You know, all of it. And that, that's, that's, that's great. But like, what is the real reason you put all the time and money into building this thing? Cause I know it's not just because you wanted a new thing. Right. And you wanted to say it's awesome. Yeah. You know, like, those same reasons that you hear on the ski side of there was this hole in the market or this hole in our own lineup that we wanted to fill and we figured out how to fill it. This is the technology that went into this and this is how it feels and rides or skis. And it does just that. And we feel like we filled that hole perfectly. Mm -hmm. That's why you should buy it. Yeah. That all exists with these new snowboards, but it's not, it's not sold in that way. Right. And it should be because that's way more of a reason for end consumer to buy the thing yeah. than it's new and this pro is riding it. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, honestly that that's a, I never thought of it that way. Cause like they're essentially pitching it to you as like, you're like, well, you're their end customer. Right. But that, but the, you're not going to ride on all the boards. Yeah. Which is like funny. Cause on the ski side, they pitch it to us about, you know, who's going to ultimately, of course they want us to buy a lot of stuff like duh, but they're pitching it to us in the sense of like, who's going to actually ski on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they need to go one more further of like, well, we're actually probably going to sell a lot more of these things. If the retailer can tell us exactly who might buy this thing and why. Right. Yeah. And then on on the snowboard side, it doesn't stop with me. Right. But by any means, right. But it seems like it feels like that. Yeah. You know, just from like a, uh, uh, whether it's like a technology story, a pro rider series story, um, a graphic story, it's like how am I, like how can we get this snowboard shop right or the snowboard buyer to buy as many as possible, which is great for them. I mean, it's, it's, it's obviously you're their customer, but it's not the next step is isn't there. Yeah, and I mean, you see it in like focus groups that you guys have been a part of, right. where a manufacturer says, "Hey, this is what we're thinking. We'd really love your input on this because we know that." You guys ski and test everything hard. You have a good feel for this stuff. You also know what your consumers are looking for. Mm-hmm. What is your feedback? Yeah. Give us some insights so that we can make the best possible product, not for you, but for you to sell to valuable consumers. Right. That that doesn't happen on the snowboard side. Yeah, yeah they're very concerned with um, how people are going to experience their products and making sure that's good so they can sell more and then build a relationship with them. And you know, they're into whatever X, Y, Z brand. Yeah. yeah, They're utilizing us as a retailer to connect their brand to the consumer. 
Yeah, and and you know these snowboard brands are making really really good stuff. They're 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 making great products, but I think in an effort to tell the story a little bit differently so that the consumer actually understands what is being made and why. Yeah. Would involve, you know, a focus group with a retailer to figure out what is it that they're asking for? What what do the customers want? Yeah. And what do you think of this? Like this is what we tried to do with it. Does it do that? Does it feel like that? Does it ride this type of terrain the way we designed it or no? And let's adjust. They still make good stuff, but you know, they're the input from a retailer based on what a consumer wants. Yeah. I think would feed the story a little bit better. You know what the, uh, the, the way that snowboard brands position their products kind of reminds me of park skiing a little bit. Yeah. Like a little bit, like a lot of brands will have, you know, two pro models from two pros. And, and they, they, they bring it to the price. They it's price focused sometimes, you know, and to your mm. point, you know, yeah. maybe the issue, maybe the answer isn't always just like, hey, we're building something at a lower price. I mean, right. As we've kind of learned from COVID, just, I mean, not just our industry, but industries across the board, like people are willing to pay more money for better products. Yeah. Or they want to have a good time. They want to have a good time, you know? And I, and I think that was something that was afraid to be spoken about in our, especially in our industry for a long time, like raising prices. Um, but, but if you're creating something that has a story that people want, well, we found out that, you know, it doesn't really, I want to say it doesn't matter, but it kind of doesn't matter what it costs. Yeah. People are going to buy it. Yeah. They're going to buy the thing that will let them have the best time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to go back to one thing you mentioned earlier about being, you know, stuck in whatever ways, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, you know, that was a problem that skiing had back in the, you know, early nineties, like it got so stagnant, you know, nothing changed ski wise, nothing changed apparel wise. Um, I mean, it was, it got lame. Yeah. Yeah. And then snowboard comes out, snowboarding comes out with these different shapes, different looking apparel. And dude, I remember being a kid. I didn't want to go into the ski shop. I wanted to go into the snowboard shop. They had the jackets I wanted. They had everything. And then the artwork on the skis or on the snowboards, excuse me, looked freaking sick. Yeah. And then you know, snowboarding takes off because it's actually exciting. Right. And, you know, there's all this cool crap happening. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then skiing kind of realizes, well, we got to change something. You know, shape skis happen. Uh, Clothing starts to change a little bit. And I think the genius thing that skiing did was following all of these other industries. And, like, you know, people want to have, like, a, a... uh, a way to like help narrow something down, like 88 millimeters in the waist, hundred millimeters yeah. in the waist. Maybe it's a mountain bike, this much travel, yep. full suspension, hard tail, even engines, you know, 5.3, 6.2 liter. Like there's all these things we have to like, you know, measure whatever. Like right. I like wide skis. You like narrow skis. And I feel like if snowboarding had that, like, Oh my God, snowboarding's just going to go through the roof again. I think there's like a thirst that snowboarders have, they want yeah. like yeah, they're some tech true. stuff to talk about. It's really true. And I, like you said, Neil, it, like that, that stuff exists in there. It's there. Snowboarding puts a lot of weight on still being cool, being, you know, a little bit against the grain and that's all good. But I think in an, in order to keep things moving forward, like ski did and had to kind of pivot a little bit, all of that same technology is there. Like, all the techie stuff that people are really, like you said, kind of thirsting for is in the snowboard. It's yeah. not like 
you know, these snowboards are built any different than the skis, really. Like, it, it's kind of the oh, same yeah, right. exact thing. All yep. that stuff is there, yep. but it's not told. But like you just said, going against the grain, you know, like that is what they did to become huge. Yep. You know, how, how many years ago would that be? Like 30 years ago. And, okay, now, you know, we got to let's copy what ski did well. And this will be great for. Well, yeah, I mean, just just kind of flip the script, right? Because I mean, we can all agree that skiing wouldn't be where I think everyone can agree that skiing wouldn't be where it is today without snowboarding. Oh no, right? So you know, the snowboard, the way that the technology, you know, the freestyle nature of snowboarders, like it changed the way skis are made, changed the way people skied. Yep. It changed the way people viewed skiing. It changed everything. Right. Which is incredible, right? Because like, look where the sport of skiing is now in the in the in the level of skiing and the level of equipment that, that everyone's building. Oh my God, dude, crazy. I'm looking out the window right now at a bent 100 and an ARV 96. And that graphic is that comes from snowboarding. I mean, there's art on that. Thing. Yeah, and so does the shape. Oh, exactly. Yeah. The, the whole thing. And so skiing was able to get smart and completely adopt that and become really, really cool. Over time. Yeah. You know, and I, and to kind of circle the wagons back to what we're potentially the point was, is that, you know, snowboarding just needs to do the same thing. And to your point, George, like there is a huge, huge thirst for it. Yeah. And if there was just a story similar to how skiing did it, where people as consumers could figure out a way to narrow down their own search on their, on their own, I, I, people would just be, we would just be buying up snowboards. I well, mean, that's you, the thing that's going to let it take off again, right. you know, like, and, and the good part about it is it's all there. Like, yeah, it's already there. The story the equipment just is incredibly, it's awesome stuff. Right. Well, I mean, like back in, you know, whatever years, you know, when you'd measure like how long a pair of skis were like up to your wrist or whatever, yeah, you know, and that was the ski that you got. Skis always had a waist width. It just wasn't talked about. Yeah. No one ever said anything, you know? So like what you were just saying, the tech is there. We just have to find, you know, what technology do you think? What do you think the metrics should be? What are those? What are the uh, equivalents or what should they be in snowboarding? Well, I mean, like skis, it seems like waist width is probably the one that people gravitate towards the most. That's what really like sets up a company's uh, a lineup of skis. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and with snowboards, it, it wouldn't be that, but it needs to be some easy metric that people can understand. And I think in a snowboard, it, it's probably going to be radius, so that they know how the thing turns, mm-hmm. and taper. It, that's not talked about at all. Radius. Nope. I I I doubt. Most people know what the radius on a snowboard even falls close to. I don't right. even know. And I should. Yeah. And I mean, the, the thing about those is like, those are, are numbers that would mean something to a consumer. If that gets talked about, they'll be able to understand them. I'm looking for something around a seven meter radius. That's, that's something that's measurable. They'll know how the thing is probably going to feel. Right. Yeah. Taper with more and more directional boards coming about. A lot of boards are going to have taper. And depending on how much they have combined with the radius, they're going to, they're going to have a much better idea of how the thing feels than the blurb of marketing jargon on the back of the board. Yeah. You know, that says it's awesome at everything. (laughs) Yeah. You yeah. know, and again, like, it'll help the consumer who's actually, you know, doing his or her own research, like narrow down what they should be looking at. Yeah. And I, I think consumers, they <coughs> like to feel like they know what they're looking oh, for. Like no definitely. one likes going into a store and being clueless about what they're looking at. Like they know they want something, but they don't know what at all. Right. I want a snowboard. This is what I do. And yeah. then 
salesperson directs them in the right, the right spot. But everyone would rather walk into that situation kind of having a grasp of what they know that they want. Yeah, especially now because everything is so easily accessible. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so especially when they're able to narrow it down to something that, that is accurate and then be reassured by a salesperson. Or, or, or told, you know what, actually, based on these other things that you told me, this is going to make more sense for you because, and then there's actual numbers that they can use yeah. to like make sense of it in their head. Yeah, because on the ski side, that happens to us all every day. Right. Well, right. dude, it even every happens day. with materials. Like, you know, metal really isn't a thing in snowboards, is it? Not not really. Not like skis. Not like, yeah. I mean, that's a huge thing. Oh, no. I mean, like people know, like, no, I don't want something with metal in it. Right. Or no, too, no, thanks. Or they come in and they say, oh, I did little bit of research or my buddy's a good ski or whatever they say. And they say, these are the three or two or three or four skis that I'm looking at. And then you just ask a couple, you know, qualifying questions. And then immediately you're able to, to weed them out or you validate like, Oh yeah. 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 Any one of those will work, will work great. They'll just, you know, nothing's better or worse. They're just a little bit different. Yeah. I feel like, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, good. I feel like the flex scale is used in snowboarding and not skiing like that. Like flex is a huge, uh, metric but it's so it's not a metric it's it's broad it's like stiff or soft it's unspecific (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, and i mean it it's a factor obviously yes you know it it is there's a spectrum but you know i think it it it, it's a factor in skis as well and gets talked about less than things like materials and and waste with yeah you know where if we started pulling some of these like actual pieces of technology out of the things and talking about them, people would have a much better idea of what they're looking at. Yeah. And you know, you guys had a few opportunities this season to, to visit some, some factories of ski companies Mm -hmm. and each time came back with knowledge about these skis that you were both impressed by blown away. Like, Super impressive stuff, and you aren't new to this. You've you've been in this world for a while, mm-hmm. and each factory you learn something crazy impressive about the stuff. Yep. Yeah, those factories aren't any different from the snowboard factories. Right? No, they're not. You know, there's still going to be in a snowboard factory a team of really smart engineers that know what they're doing and put a lot of research and time into this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's no reason why we can't tell that story. No. Yeah. I mean, it should be told. Yeah, you know, it really should it really should be told, and I think more people would gravitate towards certain things because they they know, you know, versus just like, oh, this this is the graphic that I was interested in. Yeah, you know, well, you know, it would make hard. Oh, go thinking about like uh, you know just being at a lawn last week, you know, like in <clears throat> say Black Crows goes to a lawn, they're like, you know what, we want to make this ski this waist width, it needs to cost this, and we want it to you know have these general properties feel like this. That is still happening. At the snowboard side. Mm-hmm. It's so like that story of like the why this exists, like we need this. Yeah. It just doesn't come out on the marketing side as effectively as it does in ski. Yeah. Ski does a really good job of telling that technology story and giving you a good why as to like, this is what the thing does. This is why that's important. Yep. This is why we built it. This is why we built it. And then also can back it up with, you know, our key retailers actually use this thing and, this is what we came up with. Like, yeah. this is the honed in model that does this and serves this purpose. Mm-hmm. And that same thing happens on the snowboard side to an extent for sure with, with the technology and everything. And I think a little more, like a little more feedback from a retailer across the board 
honing in the thing on what people actually want and then telling that story. Yeah. That'd be killer. Super killer with everything that's kind of, you know, um, do earlier has people, have people been hitting you up about shows? Uh, it's starting. Yeah. Yeah. So, so people are the consensus that everyone's still going to go to buying shows or what's going on. Uh, it seems like less. Yeah. Like it might be more concentrated at one or two different shows and people aren't going to be going to everything. Right. Well, I just figured, you know, if, if certain things are due, you know, earlier or whatever, and you're, you'd say your order's already in, like, are people going to go to the trade shows? I know. <laughs> you write your order, and then, then you go and see oh, the stuff. Oh, look at this oh, thing that I bought. <laughs> <laughs> this is there what it, it looks like. Yeah. Hope you like it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I guess that's... Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. It's right. Now, in uh, back to, uh, you know, some buying stuff. Is there, you know, between boards, boots, bindings, is there one of those categories that is more difficult to buy than the others? Um, bindings, bindings is definitely trickier. There's just a lot. And, and the differentiating factors aren't that fast really. Yeah. You know, one, once you get past flex, it comes down to binding materials and, and strap styles and things like that. So like, you know, I feel like a lot of times the way a binding is sold or bought by a customer is, you know, they, they figure out flex. And then from there, it, it comes down to some preference in what kind of straps they like, the weight of the binding. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, like... Probably aesthetic. Aesthetic. Completely. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a lot less cut and dry than other things. Yeah. I mean, in like ski bindings, you know, there's really... It, it might look like there's a lot, but there really, there really isn't, you know. And it's it's more clear to me looking at a ski binding wall than a snowboard binding wall, like what the binding is for or who it's probably for. Like a marker squire looks less substantial than a Griffin. Yep. You know, there's a lot of visual indicators. And when I look at snowboard bindings, I mean, some, I, I mean, I meant I'll probably even be wrong on price. Like I, I, I don't understand what's well, expensive. It's yeah, not as obvious. I, I agree. <clears throat> and not to knock on Burton because they do obviously they're Burton they do an incredible job but their their bindings in particular like you could look at one and it's this one is two seventy nine and the one next to it is is three ninety nine and you know to someone that doesn't really know to the eye it looks pretty close yeah yeah a you know? lot of it is like hidden yeah kind of it's clearly a nicer binding obviously yeah but if you see it, it like to George to your point like you looked at a Squire and a Griffin and you kind of held them up you're like oh this one's clearly more expensive right yeah. And it's harder to do that with a snowboard. Yeah, it gets a little messy there. There's yeah. just so many options, and it's so reliant on on preferences and aesthetics. And there is real technology in there, mm-hmm. but it does get kind of disguised a little bit and makes it hard to decipher for a customer. It does. Do you think there that manufacturers offer too many binding options? Do you think that could be cleaned up? Oh, for sure. It it definitely could be cleaned up. Yeah. You know, I I you could be a really really competent snowboarder and ride a few different things that are definitely a little bit different and mm-hmm. not tell a major difference. Yeah. So yeah, there it's, it's oversaturated for sure. Hmm. That medium flex range is, uh, it's big. Loaded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And sizes too. That can probably be cleaned up, but I'm sure everyone talks about that. Oh uh, yeah. Board sizes. Board mean? sizes. Yeah, yeah. 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 I agree with that. I mean, it it's, 
ridiculous that there's some models that have an every size so a, a size for every two centimeters. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's, but, dude, what, what sucks is like, you know, speaking insane. Speaking as a uh, <laughs> speaking as a retailer and not someone that's like doing like a podcast, but like as a retailer, it sucks because you're just giving the person that you're trying to sell an out to not buy the board. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't... Ooh, they, I wanted the 156. Oh, the you only have the yeah. 154 right. and, and I don't, or 158. I don't... Obviously, the snowboarding uh, manufacturer didn't do that with that thought process. They're trying to, you know, fill, you know, a consumer need. Like, we should make this board on these sizes because everyone will have a better experience. I'm sure it was what they were thinking. But yeah. once you get to the retail sales floor, you know, if you have the 51 and the 56 or whatever... And someone wants the 54, whatever, 53. Right. They're like, oh, man, I'll just, I'll, yeah, I'm just not going to buy it today. And you're like, mm-hmm. but if the, there was no 53, then they would buy one of the other other sizes. Right. Or standing there with the 154 and the 156. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just can't decide. Just, I wish exactly. there was a 155. <laughs> <laughs> if there was 155, I would totally buy it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's cut off a centimeter. Way too much. <laughs> you know, I was in a, a meeting uh, yesterday or two days ago, I can't remember, with a manufacturer for a ski they have coming out for 24, 25. And we were just talking about, like, what sizes should this ski come in? And, like, what should the you know size breakdown be? And I was like, honestly, dude, the Nordica Santa Ana Enforcer size curve is fire. You know, you go uh, 51, 58, 65, 72, 79, 86, and you get two in the 50s, two in the 70s for, you know, men and then uh, uh, women. And, like, you can sell a lot more units with that. Yep. And it's just a, it's just a mental thing. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the, the skis <clears throat> are going to ski the way that they're designed, of course. But, like, from the consumer at the point of purchase. There's a big difference a, between a 79 and an 80. And a big difference between a 158 and a 161. And then, like, on the snowboard side, when you have, like, these things in two-centimeter increments or whatever they are, that is – it's it's harder for the consumer. With a yeah. wi- with a couple wides mixed in. Because, like, it, I, yeah. you know, you're justifying that there's, like, you know, a difference between these two. And, like, a, I mean, two centimeters, that ain't much. It's not. No. No. And then, well, what's even more uh, – what's even more frustrating, you know – for someone that's trying to sell a snowboard and even to the consumers and on the back, the manufacturers put in, you know, like your weight range, which is great, right? It's, yeah. it's really helpful. And, it, and it's a, it's a good selling tool for someone working the sales floor and educating the, the, the consumer. But if three of the boards, four of the boards are all the same weight range, how do you choose? But, but you know, what's fucked up about weight ranges is that it just because you're heavy doesn't mean you're fucking strong. Just because you're light doesn't mean you're fucking that's, weak. That's, that's it's, really it's true. It's fucking crap. It's, it is. And yeah. we, which makes it tough. Cause then you're okay. Then why are you making five sizes in the same range? Mm-hmm. And, and like, there's this thing on the back Well, If they said it's on the back, that must be what it is yeah. because like there's weight ranges for other things like towing capacity on a car. That's completely fucking different. It's true. Yeah. What the fuck? I can tell a lot though. <laughs> <laughs> Must be nice. <laughs> Brag. <laughs> I mean, dude, to go back to a, you know, a testing thing, right? Let's say it was as easy for you to get snowboard gear as it was for me to get ski gear. Mm-hmm. Like, us cycling through skis is pretty fucking easy. Yeah. You know, there's demo plates. The whole thing is built for that. I mean, there isn't that option on the snowboard side. Right. And, like... Dude, comparatively, you're still going to be busting your ass to oh, go yeah. through as many snowboards as we go through skis in a day. It's definitely harder. Like, for for the brands to come up with a setup where I could just 
pop into a tent and exchange board for board and be ready to go, you're asking a lot. So like, yeah, it's definitely going to be harder to swap boards, interchange boards, cycle through as many boards, get a bunch of different riders on all of these boards. Mm -hmm. It's a much bigger ask than just, Stepping into a different set of ski bindings. And for everyone that's listening that is not as like super educated on how how it works, essentially with the ski stuff, when you go and you demo skis, it's on this track. It's easy. It just adjusts to your boot sole. You slide it and you lock it, and you can step in and you go. So it makes changing skis like really, really quick and really fast and efficient. And with snowboard stuff, it's still just as as you can imagine. It you have to unscrew the bindings from the yep. board, get the new board. You you you. you don't necessarily have to, but if someone has a different stance preference, like angle wise, and then a different, they're goofy or regular, then you do. Right. Well, yes. So if the boards are all set up with bindings, which is not usually the case. Right. Or if yep. you're swapping. Right. But traditionally you would use a set of bindings that they give you from that manufacturer or you bring your own. Right. So it takes a lot longer every single time you want to switch boards. Definitely. Yeah. It, it It's, it's a lot more, which... Which sucks because, you know, being able to rip through a bunch of boards and, and test all of them efficiently, as efficiently as, as you guys are able to run through skis would be sweet. Yeah. And, and, and it's just not possible to do it that way. Is there, um, is there anything like, you know, we talked a, a little bit in this podcast about some stuff that, you know, ski does well that we wish maybe like snowboarding would do a bit. But is there anything on the snowboard side that you're like, you hope, ski things don't make their way there. Like it's good the way it is. Like it's simple. This is great. Whatever. I mean, there, there, there are some upsides to, you know, snowboards in general, maybe overlapping one another a little bit more than some skis do. Mm -hmm. There's some good things going there with, you know, more and more of these kind of wild looking directional snowboard shapes coming about. The truth is like, even though they might look crazy to you, like they're really made for a lot of people. It's, it's not like these untouchable shapes. Like it's still a snowboard that is capable of doing a lot. So that's kind of a cool thing that like, you're not going to kind of categorize things so much so that certain things are untouchable for a lot of people. You yeah. know, you, you can buy some really cool stuff that can do a lot. Um, where I feel like in ski, because there's so many different categories, there might be some things that you're you're interested in or intrigued by that you think are really cool, but just flat out don't make any sense for you. Yeah. In snowboard, there there's quite a few things that are super cool and different from maybe what you're used to that you can definitely get and use. So that that's kind of a nice thing that snowboard has going for it that if things get too divided up the way they are in ski could cause problems. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and you know, like I, I think some of the things we may have said in this podcast kind of seem like maybe a little bashy or whatever, but you know, I think we just want to see snowboarding do everything that it possibly can, you know, to see that sport do, I mean, it's absolute be its best. Yeah, I agree. I, t I totally agree. I mean, what actually think about what you just said, the, the graphic story, we didn't really talk about that cause it didn't come up, but it, it is cool in snowboarding that. You know, if you make a great product, right, you make a board that's killer. You don't really need to make any really changes. But, like, what they have going for it is, like, is every year they can just make a banger graphic yep. on that board and just keep selling it. 
Which is awesome because it's still riding epic, right? Everyone right. still is, is like super into the way it feels. So it's like, well, it's skiing. I feel like skiing feels like they have to continue to like engineer the ski. And obviously skis have a, you know, maybe a two, three, or whatever year run. But with snowboarding, like if that board is money, it's like if it, yeah, we, you've got if we, a good we, canvas to, yeah, to yeah, freshen if, it if up. If we just nail the graphic every year, like it, it's, it's, it's going to be sold. You know, yeah. what's an interesting narrative in ski that doesn't exist in snowboarding is like there's uh, a thing that so many people say, like when they have something on, well, I hate the way it looks, but that doesn't matter. That's not what's important. Like that's like true. very prominent. Yeah, yeah. It is. Like just l- get what fits best. Get what is this? Listen to the guy. You know, in yeah. uh, doesn't matter, honey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. In snowboarding, you have some options to choose from. There, yeah. It's not like you're gonna boil everything down to one and only snowboard that's gonna work for you. Well, there's way more pressure to be cool, so the look it's obviously true. matters a little bit more because a lot more pressure. You're snowboarding. Like you're a bad boy. Was built. Yeah, we have a bad boy zone here. Yeah, at TSM. that's facts. <laughs> <laughs> this side of the table, dog. <laughs> Don't overstep. No, but the the truth is, there's a lot of potential for snowboarding to keep moving forward at a crazy pace. I feel like, and being able to see what's happening on the ski side of things, there's a lot of cool things happening that snowboarding could definitely take from rip off a little bit maybe and use to just keep everything pushing forward at a crazy rate. Yeah. You know, so some of it's frustration, but there there's just a lot of good stuff happening on the ski side of things that maybe some of these snowboard companies don't get to see on a day-to-day basis that they could use. Yeah, totally. I mean, there is definitely a lot that snowboard can learn from skiing right now. Um, I think we touched on a bunch of it, but another thing that we didn't really talk about, I mean, maybe we just kind of glaze over it, but is the whole developmental process and how when a ski comes basically to market, um, how George, myself and Matt, you know, we're included in that process from the, from the very start, um, which is awesome because we basically get to see how the ski or really why it's being made. We get to see, here's a, here's a prototype. This is what we're thinking. This is where we feel like the hole in the market is. We think this is going to fill that, fill that void. Here's some new shapes, rocker profiles, flex profiles. And that kind of goes into like, now we're talking about, you know, graphics or we're, t- we're talking about, well, can you guys sell this? It, it, are there consumers that would want to buy this? And I, right. I just, maybe it's just, you know, cause we don't see it or, or maybe it happens and, and we're just not exposed to it at Ski Monster as a, as a group. But I mean, it's a huge part of feeling like we're contributing to the products that we're selling. And I just don't, I don't feel like it happens as, as much or maybe, maybe not as in depth as it should on the snowboard side. And yeah. That, I mean, that I happens guys- like four years ahead of time for you guys, right? Well, right. You're Very always stars. way ahead. And I see you guys getting a bunch of opportunities to do it. It's not like it's one manufacturer doing it. It's across the board. And every time it seems like it's super insightful and obviously beneficial to everyone. Um, and on the snowboard side, it, it doesn't really happen anywhere near the same extent. I've tried to push a few brands to kind of just like bring us more into the fold and get involved with this type of stuff because it would obviously be helpful to us probably going to have some better products come out of it and and just help with the storytelling aspect of moving snowboard forward um but no you guys seem to get these opportunities all the time all the time and on the snowboard side it's way less frequent i mean in the past what 12 months how many how many pairs of skis from 23 24 upcoming season have you had a chance to test probably uh uh a dozen or so yeah, yeah, quite a few or yeah. more. 
Yeah. Maybe more like, I mean, like when you were talking about like a prototype, you know, like even like in a, like a new blizzard that's coming out next year that we were testing last January, I think it was. I mean, we skied four or five versions of that one ski. In the same day. And then as the season went down, we got to, to like one. Yeah. And then that'll be the one that's in production for people next fall. Right. So not counting like those four or five that really right. kind of ends up equaling one. I guess like in the prototyping testing process, dude, yeah, I probably already skied like 60 protos for 2024. Yeah. Another really cool component of that is that, is that the, well, a lot of times they, they come to, to us and we can have smaller meetings here at TSM, which is really cool. And um, you know, obviously we're really grateful for that, but on a, on a higher level of that, there's focus groups, you know, and those focus groups really give the retailer some ownership in the, and the product that they're going to be purchasing. Right. Because that, they feel connected to it. Right. It's like, okay, so you know, should this buckle be orange or should it be green or for a boot or, or do we think that this graphic, should we have our logo horizontal or should we have it vertical? I mean, all that stuff, when you start to talk about it at such an early stage, when you bring that product to market and you bring it to a, a ski buyer to fulfill that need for their customer, I mean, they feel not only obligated, but they feel like they're part of that process. And it's just such a cool thing to be able to say to whoever or just it's just like your inner, like, yo, like I was there when they were like figuring out what buckles do. Right. Like I had input on <laughs> Yeah, this it's awesome. And it's not just, uh, it's not just Ski Monster. You know, we get invited to a lot of stuff, which is awesome, but it's a lot of other retailers, right. a lot of other accounts all over the, over the country, all over the world that are, you know, being asked similar questions. And it really helps, I think, I mean, because I know it helps us. I think it helps everyone as a whole to have some of that ownership of that new product because it feels good when it finally gets here. For sure. Yeah. I mean, on the snowboard side, you know, some things will come come my way, like how do these graphics look? Do you like this one, this one? Pricing things, you know, some some general questions here and there, but it's super infrequent and it feels like we're kind of just scratching the surface a little bit. There's way more involvement that could be had. Yeah. That it seems like, you know, is obviously moving the needle a little bit on the ski side. Yeah. And I, I personally like when they show whatever brand shows us, you know, multiple graphics and you know, we're, we're there, we happen to be at the meeting or whatever. And, you know, whatever graphic, you know, they might be thinking about doing um, versus maybe one that, you know, we're leaning towards. And, you know, we kind of pitch it a little bit on, on the one that we like, not knowing because they're taking input from everybody. And then it, the ski comes out and it is the one that we were kind of leaning towards and not the one that they presented as like your their first choice. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's fucking sick. Feels sick. Yeah, yeah. Like, dude, it's sweet. Yeah, it's sweet. We had we had a big, you know, we had a voice in that and this the ski is green instead of, you know, dark blue or whatever. Right. But it feels kind of cool because you feel co really connected to it. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, I think another reason why, you know, we end up getting invited to so much stuff is we're pretty unique here where we're, you know, the owners, we run this thing and we're here day to day and we sell and help customers, you know, the end user with right. the product. And I mean, even the customer is kind of attached to that because, you know, the customers that come in here, you know, we get their feedback on what's going on with certain product, even certain thing function wise that they don't like, Oh, this is a pain in the butt or this color is silly. And then that trickles its way all the way up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All in all that process, um, across the board from all the manufacturers from the ski side, I mean, it's been incredible to be a part of it because you, you feel like you have some input in and what's being built and why, which is cool. So, yeah, well, we covered quite a bit today, boys. Yeah, we did. I mean, let's think. We did the state of snowboarding, really, you know, at TSM um, as a whole. Uh, your contribution to that, kind of how you came on board to where you are now, testing process, 
went through that buying process. How do you kind of curate it, get it to exactly what you want it to be? Um, technology in the boards for sure that's there. And then just kind of figuring out how to put, make that into a marketing story. Right. We talk, covered that. And now the development process. So I think, I think we, we covered it. We covered a bunch. Is there anything we, that you guys think we missed? Chop um, it up right now. You, you know, you know, dude, going back to what Neil was saying earlier regarding ski shops that treat snowboarding kind of as a pet project. All right. You know, I think part of the reason why they end up doing that is regardless of what size store you are, what volume you're doing, you do make less money selling snowboard equipment than you do ski. The margins are smaller. Yep. So looking at it, you know, financially, just looking at your balance sheet, yeah, I get why there's more attention being put on ski. But, you know, like I guess how we've kind of viewed it here is like there's going to be people that ski. Awesome. There's people that want to snowboard. And why shouldn't we cater to these people that are really into snowboarding and want to do that? There's still opportunity there. Right. It's not like we're losing money. Right. Selling snowboard stuff. But, um, you know, I think uh, the fact that we actually treat it like it's a cool sport, which it is, is probably the reason we're a little more successful in it other than these people that just look at it like oh it's just this thing over here well it's such an ingrained part of of ski monster kind of as a whole i mean could we all spend we've said it a bunch we're going to continue to say it because we're we're getting we're recording ourselves all the time now but we spend a lot of time together so it's not just like guys going skiing guys going snowboarding testing this testing that like we're always together dude real quick yeah you know how many days a year for the last, well, let's see, we've been friends for 19 years. Mm. How many days in those 19 years do you think we've even been apart? Not that many. No. I mean, some years, maybe like a day or two. <laughs> yeah. Those days must have been really Some tough. years, maybe. Well, yeah. 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 So to put into context. M- more, more so. A lot of time. Yeah. Not a lot of time. More so now that we've gotten older and have other home life responsibilities, but I don't know if I, if I was single and you were single, we'd probably still live together. True. Yeah. We have a really, yeah. we'd have a really big for place. tax purposes. <laughs> <laughs> it would be sick. It would be a sick. Bunk beds still in, still in play. But um, you know, back to back to uh, what we we're talking about because that will just go off on a five hour <laughs> freaking tangent about uh, oh yeah, it's, yeah when it's, we used to be roommates. <laughs> no, but snowboarding being so ingrained here, spends so much time with. But like even on. It, on the sales floor, it's not just like, oh, snowboarding's over there. Right. It's like, we want to provide the person that was looking for an awesome product, a great service, a great product, and we want them to have the best time that they can when they go out there. And so it's just part of the deal. Like, it's just part of Ski Monster. Yeah, I mean, I think we pride ourselves pretty heavily on when you walk into the Ski Monster, it's a full, well-rounded experience. It's not like all the cool top of the line tested stuff that we believe in ski wise is up front. And then everything else is just stashed in the back. Like right. everywhere you walk in the store, there's a ton of attention to detail, both on the snowboard side, soft goods side, ski side across the board. Yep. And, and I think that's pretty critical that it's a place where you can go and, and you walk in there and it doesn't feel like the thing that you're interested in or looking for is just kind of like tucked away in the corner. Right. And you know, one thing I wish that like more people understood like about, having a retail business and all that in general, regardless of what type of retail business you're in is like all the work that kind of goes into some of the stuff, like the clothes don't just end up on hangers by themselves. There's work that goes into that. And like, that's, you know, 
whatever everyday piece, but like even the stuff that we're purchasing, like we're fortunate enough to be able to get whatever the heck we want. No yeah. one is saying that we can't carry something. We can right. carry whatever we want. We worked hard to get to that point. There's a reason why all of the products that we carry are here. Yeah. And it's because we really want people to be in the best stuff and have, you know, different options for, you know, our customers. Right. And like, even if we, even if there was something that, um, you know, we didn't have and, you know, it was like something that made sense for the customer, we would sell them or give them advice on that thing because they're probably going to remember that experience and they're going to come back. Right. Yeah. You that's know? more valuable than just pushing them into whatever thing you have. Yeah. And we're fortunate to not be in that position. Oh yeah. And not, not every shop is, I mean, they can only carry certain things and we get to carry whatever we want. Right. Which we carry is what we which feel is, is best. Yeah. Which is awesome. Which is really awesome. Um, all right, Neil, that was dope. Yeah, that was fun. Um, again, I, I think we went over a lot of fun stuff. I mean, I had a good time talking about it cause we pretty much have this conversation amongst each other. Like, I don't know, all the time. So yeah. <laughs> the first time we recorded it, which is, which is kind of cool. Um, so thanks for being here. Neil Susie, Uncle me. Neil. And, um, what time is it? It's probably coffee 30, right? Cappuccinos. What we got? I'm going espresso, dude. Oh, espresso. Yeah. Right. I will espresso hot. Where are we going? I go to the cup, dude. Dogs? No. 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 God, no. All right. Let's go to the cup. Let's get some, let's get some caffeine. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Catch you guys next time. Peace.